United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, another exciting show for you. Glenn Crooks, who you can catch on Sirius XM FC. He's also got his own podcast. He's a radio commentator for New York City FC. He does so much for the game. He's still a coach as well for PDA, one of the top youth clubs in the country. Glenn Crooks was a key part of our digital convention with big-time interviews, including the one-on-one with U.S. National Team Head Coach Greg Berhalter. He'll talk about that and so many other things off the top. Right after Glenn Crooks, Johan Settergren, the top man at Kentucky, three-time Conference Coach of the Year at Kentucky. He's got his team at 6-1. and one. They play Duke on Friday night, 7 p.m. on ACC Network Extra. I'll have that call. So we touch base with Johan Settergren, and then we wrap up the show meeting two more members of our 30 under 30 class, Megan Burke and Brandon Turner. And it all starts after this message from our presenting sponsor, Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. I am Dean Linky, kicking off this week's show with one of the leaders in soccer broadcasting, soccer podcasting, soccer commenting, soccer coaching, former Rutgers women's coach, Coach Carly Lloyd, by the way, who I just interviewed the other day for a different podcast, Vision of a Champion with Anson Dorrance. He's worked on the Big Ten Network, still calls a lot of Rutgers games. We're talking about Glenn Crooks, and Glenn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Dean. When you mentioned Carly and Anson together, 2001, Sweet 16, Carly, a freshman at Rutgers University. Nobody knows who Rutgers is. We're down in North Carolina. They're number one in the country. We're the unknowns. We go up 1-0 at the the interval. They beat us 2-1. But what I remember mostly is uh, Anson after the game, it's the first time we had met, said, hey, who's that number 10? (laughs) That's Carly Lloyd, man. Get the get the national team on her, man. But uh, that was the first time he had seen her, and I think that was kind of uh, you know because of his ilk and his influence. Um, uh, he uh, he kept his eye on her for sure. That's a great story. That's why I wanted to have you on. That's why I wanted you to open. We are featuring quite a few of the thirty under thirties today, which you know those stories are amazing because these young people under thirty have accomplished so many great things. Glenn, I'm not sure I totally knew what I was doing. Uh, uh, when I was under 30, but thankfully it worked out, but that's fascinating. But I wanted to have you on because you kind of got your hand on everything. You're the host of Sirius XMFC. So you're covering soccer at so many levels. You're a radio commentary. So that means you're getting ready to go for New York City FC. But, you know, Glenn, also you were very involved in the digital convention. You had some big time sessions, particularly the ones involving Volkswagen and, and U.S. soccer. And you got some rare one-on-one time with Greg Berhalter, which doesn't happen every day. So talk a little bit about that interview. And, you know, you also spent time with Crystal Dunn, among others. You were uh, featured prominently during the digital convention, and I know you enjoyed it. 
Yeah, the Burhalter one in particular, and I, it's it's like you said. I mean, how often does anybody get a chance to sit down? It was basically sitting down with Greg for forty-five minutes. I mean, it was really well. First of all, we've got a Jersey connection, so that's good, and started the interview that way. And what's interesting is that in this part of New Jersey, the Central North, and where he was in Teaneck. And then at St. Benedict's, uh, it, it, it's a very diverse community. So he, you know, he understood, the, you know, some of the, uh, a lot of the ethnic and, and, and playing and playing in the city. And so he, he um, he's so connected to New Jersey. And, uh, you know, that, that was a nice way to get going there. Uh, but there, there were a couple of things that really stood out from that interview, Dean. You know, one of them was he captained two teams in Germany. And that's back when Americans, you know, it wasn't like uh, they weren't all over there playing, you know, like uh, Tyler Adams and company now, you know, Gio Reyna. It, it was, uh, he captained two teams. And I, so I asked him about that specifically. And, you know, he's pretty modest about those things. But the thing that stood out to me is that how av after every training session, he would go back to his room and he would dissect every aspect, you know, of the session, not only himself, but his teammates and, you know, so, you know, that's he was captain because he, he's a guy that really understood the game and had a great respect of his teammates, uh, you know, because of that. So that was one of the stories. Uh, I think uh, how he changed since he's become the national team coach, getting used to the international level as a coach and how he had this building out of the back. And, you know, there was a way he wanted to play and, you know, Many people questioned whether we had the personnel or, or the ability to do that. But what he identified is that his player pool would permit and actually encourage them to play a higher line because of their athleticism, press higher up the field. So they really changed their identity in a manner uh, of uh, what they're doing out of a 4-3-3 system. And it was a little different before that, too. So I, I found that uh, pretty interesting. And now we'll they continue to do that and have success against the better opponents that remains to be seen. And then the one final thing about the, uh, and again, this is from a coaching standpoint too. He talked about having a, a Reggie cannon at Boa Vista. He said something to the effect that clubs, you know, a lot of clubs, they don't spend as much time with the individual player as he would expect, or he thinks as they should. So he's showing clip Reggie cannon would play a match and he would get the Boa Vista clips and he would he would go over them with Reggie Cannon. So his national team coach, rather than his club coach, is uh, is reviewing clips with him and and going over things that he could have done better. And uh, my my thought was like, so the national team coach welcomes you to do this, and he was like, well, we would never tell him to change the way he plays in their system. Just you know, just different things that they identify. So that kind of stuff, you know. So yeah, it was uh, it was amazing for me. I loved it. It's interesting. Last week we had Alexi Lalas, who also played at Rutgers. So if you want greatness, you just gotta attach yourself to Rutgers in some form. As we Rutgers also in Jersey, it just right? Jersey. yeah, exactly. I already said Carly Lloyd, but one of the things that Alexi said as it relates to Greg Berhalter is, you know, I spent time with Alexi the '92 Olympics, '94 World Cup, MLS. But he did point out while that Olympic team was great, perhaps under delivered in Barcelona, the World Cup team did get through. The U.S. always had, you know, 15 or 16 pretty good players. But now, and I'll say it again, but now, as Alexi said, Greg Borhalter has maybe 
over a hundred players, a lot of them playing overseas and maybe a hundred's too many, but I get what his point is. I mean, you just saw the team against Trinidad and Tobago. It was like a whole new team delivering the goods. Did Greg address this embarrassment of riches that he might have now? Well, I asked him, I think the, the way I asked it was, are you as excited about this young group of players as, you know, people on the outside are, you know, we're all yeah. like, uh, yeah, let's go, man. <laughs> and, and he basically said yes. But the thing he added was that uh, because of the congested schedule with all the different things, CONCACAF Nations League, Gold Cup, uh, World Cup qualifying, Olympic qualifying, the Olympics, he said uh, 30 to 40 players absolutely are, are going to need to perform uh, in this uh in this year, 2021, because of that congestion. So, uh, yeah, he understands he has a deeper pool and he, uh, he definitely is excited about it. How about Tyler Adams starting against Liverpool in the champions league round of 16 and, and Serginho Des starting for Barcelona, two guys starting on the same day in con in a, rather UEFA champions league. It's wild, man. Yeah, that is awesome. All right. I want to switch gears a little bit because, um, you know, I do a lot of work with Ian Barker. Ian Barker, like all of us, is a huge Glenn Crooks fan. Ian Barker reached out recently for a very special cause. I actually didn't have the bandwidth to cover it, but you did cover it. Tell us about what that cause was and what you did to help. The Dick Bate yes. anthology. Yeah, so that's, um, well, Dick Bate, who um, I've watched over the years, and be that was before I had my XM show, The Coaching Academy. And then when I got the show, I had him on as a guest a couple of times because I have never, uh, as far as a clinician and a guy teaching the game, I had never been, uh, he was uh, mesmerizing in just his delivery, calm, the words he used, the organization and the understanding, you know, the convention, man, you get an hour and 15 minutes, an hour, you get a team sometimes, you know, they're not particularly good player. You're not always sure who you're getting. And uh, and what he would do in that period of time, I was always fascinated. Dick, unfortunately, has succumbed to a, a brain tumor and uh, just a real, real sadness uh, in, in the entire coaching community. And uh, so but what what this guy, um, uh, it was Steve Rudder and uh, Jim Hicks, they're two coaching educators from England and great friends of Dick and uh, Maggie, his wife, allowed them to come into the house and and just go through all his stuff well they barely scratched the surface and came away with 3,000 pages of notes and just thoughts and theories and uh, all this dick bait uh, information which to me is a treasure chest for 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 any coach so i've looked at it closely it's interesting because it's his handwriting thank god he's got good handwriting because uh, otherwise, you know, and, and there's even some where you have to look really closely and you maybe you can't quite tell you have to interpret, but it, it it's really um, and, and the thing is, and I encourage anyone to anyone that coaches the game in particular to uh, consider purchasing it because it's also all all the proceeds like every dime uh, is going to a uh, research for for uh, for brain tumor and um, I, I, I can't remember the, uh, the exact name of the fund. We'll tell people to look it up though. That's yeah. Perfect. But regardless, it's um, it's a great cause. And this stuff is just, I've gone, I've gone through it. I've used a couple of things in training sessions already. And uh, I would almost guarantee you'll find something in there that's going to be worthwhile. All right. Before we let you go, I want to get to two questions and I want to end with college soccer, but 
As we mentioned, you're the radio commentator for New York City FC. As you know, Glenn, I'm all in. I'm one of the weird ones. I'm all in on college soccer all the time. So I don't know everything about MLS. But one thing I do know, New York City FC, they've been interesting, right? Claudio Reyna was there. Now he's not there. Jason Christ was there. He's gone. They had some big-time coaches that were there doing fine. They left anyway. So it's kind of an interesting club, right? Can you kind of paint that picture of everything that uh, they've gone through? Yeah, it's interesting. It's it's different than than a majority of the clubs uh, uh, in the league. And you say you aren't in, uh, you know, follow it that closely and don't always understand it. Those of us who are embedded in it don't always understand it. So don't <laughs> don't feel bad about that. But yeah, well, look, I'm um, I'm still close to two coaches uh, that have since gone. Uh, I still communicate with Jason Christ. Patrick Vieira was next. And we've become very good friends. Um, he was recently sacked at Nice. You know, he went home back home to France. I mean, so, you know, the, this guy, he's a, he's a fantastic coach. He's going to have a great career in coaching. And then Dome Turon, who was Pep Guardiola's sidekick for 12 years at Barcelona, then uh, Bayern Munich, and then Manchester City. So this guy, yeah, I got to know him really well and uh, still communicate with him. I think both of those guys at some at one point could very well be back in Major League Soccer. And now it's Ronnie Dyla, another European. He's from Norway, uh, and he's, uh, his claim to fame is he coached two years at Celtic and, and won three trophies, and then they ran him out of town. So, you know, it's just like it, it's quite a profession, you know, <laughs> and uh, um, Jason Christ did not lead a, leave on his own uh on his own. He was, he was, uh, sacked Patrick and, uh, Dome both left on their own. And, uh, and then Ronnie Dial is, uh, you know, the fourth coach in what is now the sixth year. So. And did Claudio leave on his own or what went down? Yeah. There? Yeah. Claudio, um, had this opportunity with, uh, with Austin and then Josh Wolf is there. So, you know, you've got guys that have uh, been on the national team together. So, uh, I, I just think, Claudio really likes the challenge of, uh, of building uh, from scratch. And that's what he did at uh, NYCFC. He was hired in 2013. They didn't play their first game until 2015. So, um, you know, and he worked very diligently in building what is a very good uh, academy, New York City FC Academy, where Gio Reyna once was, but uh, he decided to, to head to Dortmund. Finally, Glenn Crooks, I want to talk college soccer on Friday. I'll have the call solo, actually, with Kentucky at Duke men's soccer also on Friday. It'll be Penn State and Rutgers, a game they moved from Saturday because of the weather. And I think it's even being moved indoors. And I know you'll try maybe to call some Rutgers women's soccer games, maybe even some Rutgers men's soccer games at some point. I'm not totally sure, but college soccer up and rolling again. It's going to be different. It's in the spring. So we get a little look at the maybe the 21st century model, but here we go. You know, Rutgers plays tomorrow against Penn State women's soccer and college soccer's back, Len. Yeah, you know, the the interesting thing about the Rutgers game, just, just a, an aside, is that they're not playing the early games at the soccer stadium, so we that we don't really have the um, the wherewithal to do the Big Ten uh Big Ten plus broadcasts, which we would normally be doing. But uh, but yeah, Rutgers Penn State, that's quite a way to open. Those are some of the you know, th those have been some very great matches. And I know you've called uh, you know, you've called some of them and uh, I would anticipate the same. Now, I the field conditions, I don't know right <laughs> now. 
you know, it's not an artificial surface. So I, you know, you, I, I think it's probably uh, certainly uh, in question on Thursday. I don't know when this is airing, but Thursday of this week of February 15th, we're supposed to get another four to six inches of so snow in central Jersey. So I wouldn't count on that one. I'd say just count on being with your wife that day, Dean. <laughs> All right, Glenn Crooks. Uh, well, second to being with my wife, hanging out with you, Glenn Crooks, the host of Sirius XM FC, commentator for New York City FC. He's got a great podcast. He also is a head coach at PDA, one of the top youth clubs out there as well. And Glenn Crooks, thanks for doing what you did for uh, Mr. Bate as well. That was huge. And on behalf of Ian Barker and really everybody at United Soccer Coaches, Thanks for your involvement in the convention and for always being there for the association. Yeah, it was my pleasure. I, uh, yeah, I got some good ones, as you said, and, uh, and Dick Bate, he's the man. So I hope everybody will uh, certainly consider uh, purchasing that for a great cause and, and some great notes, which I've barely gotten through, but uh, <laughs> we'll just keep going at it. All right, Glenn Crooks kicking it off. Coming up next, the top man for Kentucky men's soccer. They're putting together a pretty good season with wins in the fall part of their schedule. They're getting it going again. They just beat Xavier. They'll take on Duke on Friday night. I'll have the call on ACC Network Extra at 7 o'clock. Johan Settergren, the top man for Kentucky men's soccer after this message. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. I want to thank Glenn Crooks for kicking off the show. Now, as promised, I'm joined by three-time Conference USA Coach of the Year, Johan Sedergren, who enters his ninth season at the helm of the Kentucky men's soccer program where they did play some games in the fall they're starting up again in the spring and after losing their opening game way back on September 17th to Notre Dame they have reeled off six straight wins and they'll take on Duke tomorrow night that's Friday night at Koskinen Stadium that game at seven o'clock in a rematch that was played in Lexington back on September 21 a game won by Kentucky by a score of four to two. If you listen to this program, you know I've got mad respect for Johan Sedergren and the job he's done at Kentucky. Hey, Kentucky's now a soccer school, baby. Are you kidding me? I mean, the basketball team's struggling. Are you just staying away from Coach Cal or what are you doing there? I, I wouldn't doubt Coach Cal. That's all I'm going to say. He'll find a way. He always does. All right. Well said. Well, look, I'm so pleased to have the call. I'm actually doing it solo. So I'm going to revisit with you on Friday to break down the team, but I kind of wanted some big picture thoughts from you. And then I also want to promote the fact that you guys will be on ACC network extra on Friday night at seven o'clock, but Johan, you have been able to experience kind of what 
we've been talking about for a long time with the likes of Carlos Samuano and Sasha Sarosky and Todd Yegley and, and Coach Gunn, this 21st century model. So you're kind of going through it now. Talk about your experience in the fall and what it's been like to now start up again in the spring. No, uh, first, you know, a, a huge thanks to UK and the administration there for allowing us to play games. You know, Conference USA moved all the conference games to spring, but we still had the possibility of playing non-conference games. So I think for us to be able to get, uh, yeah, I think it was six games in, was a, a great experience. Play a couple of ACC teams, lots of home games. So, you know, I think for us, uh, again, uh, many, many moons ago, coming over from Sweden, being used to playing year-round, uh, I'm a huge fan and proponent of, of finding a way to playing fall and spring. Of course, there's lots of challenges with that. But again, I, I just think that there's a lot of very smart people that are working on this. And I think that we can figure out a way if everyone's just committed to it. So for us, it was great to play games. Um, you know, we started away at Notre Dame and that was our only loss. And, and it's one that still bugs me. But again, I think that the team grew uh, it was really nice to get a May back for a fall. You know, he got drafted and he's no longer with us. But but again, I, I just think that to be able to have one more uh, fall season with him was really, really good. And I think uh, all the guys really enjoyed having him back. So, again, I, I think it was fun. You know, of course, no fans in the stands uh, other than past list. We were able to have fans this spring now, again, with spacing out the crowd. But it will be nice to be able to welcome the Big Blue Nation back into the stands here as we return home, uh, Accra next Thursday. Big Blue Nation represents, I remember it was a tough loss to Maryland. I remember seeing your crowd there just a couple of years ago before Maryland went on to win the national championship. It felt like you had a team that in fact could win the national championship. And it feels like you're going to regularly have teams that can win a national championship. You have not shied away from those kind of statements. I mean, you want Kentucky to become a preeminent power and they're becoming a preeminent power yeah and, and i think it's you know it's coming from above where mr barnhart the ad at kentucky the challenge for all the head coaches is that you know we want you to be a national contender and we're going to find a way to give you the resources that you need as long as it's within reason and you explain why you need what you need and if we give you that then we're going to expect you to back that up with wins so again i think you also want to be at a place where you have pressure on your shoulders. You know, you don't want to be somewhere where they don't care about how you perform. Of course, what they do in the classroom, what kind of people they are, how they act away from the field and the classroom is incredibly important, but also winning is. So I love being here. Like you said, I've been here. I was hired December of 11. My first year was fall of 2012. And, and um, I really like working for Mitch. I really like working at Kentucky. And, and again, you know, you want to be at a place, I feel, where there are expectations, but also where you have the backing of administration so you know that you can make a push. And I think if you look at the where we were when I took over, I think it was eight years in a row with that NCAA tournament appearances. We've done much better since, but again, no one is happy. And I'm really happy that you brought up that Maryland game because it's not like I wake up in cold sweats every now and then about <laughs> that game still. Because I, I did, you know, 19-2-1 and one was our record that year. And I felt like we really had a team that could challenge. And, of course, you know, all credit to uh, Sasha and Maryland for winning that year. But, you know, I would love to find some way to play that game again. That's all I'm going to say. I would love to find a way to play that game again. Let me tie both those two questions together, particularly since 
you gave a mad props to your leadership there. What does your leadership think about the potential of a 21st century model, particularly making lemonade out of lemons, using this season because of COVID to essentially do it? What are they saying about the notion of doing it full-time down the road? Yeah, I've been here long enough to not speak for Mitch. So I, I think that uh, Mitch and I have a good dialogue. And, and of course, you know, he will do whatever he can to promote the sport and to do what's best for the sport and of course he's not the only one that has some reservations in regards to how to squeeze in another sport in the spring but again uh, I think that there's a way that you can do that and we're navigating that right now we're sandwiched right in between baseball and softball so we have to work with them in regards to how to space the games out and how to figure out tv and and all the people that we have in regards to support and getting fans in the stands but you know, again, um, I think I know that I work for one of the best ADs in the country. And, and I know that when Mitch sits down and looks at it, that he will find a way to be supportive of this. Uh, I think also there's a way and, and a rhyme and a reason of how we do things at Kentucky. And, and uh, you know, there's a reason to why I'm not one of the guys up front leading this charge. But we are definitely something that we are in support of and that we'll find a way to make work once it gets passed. Here with Johan Sedergren, the fine top man for Kentucky. You know, take on Duke on ACC Network Extra Friday night, 7 o'clock at Koskinen. You played them back on September 21. You scored four goals. Your team scores a lot of goals. Four, three, two, three, two, two in your last six games. Pretty impressive. What do you remember about that game on September 21 that will help you prepare for this rematch? Yeah, and also, you know, I, I – I watched their game against Charlotte the other day. So, you know, I have a pretty good I idea. We're actually sitting down here as a staff just to kind of compare notes a little bit as well. But, you know, uh, the Duke staff is fantastic staff. They've been there for a long time. You know, every year when you look at recruiting classes that are being brought in, they're in the top 10, uh, bringing in very, very talented players, lots of young players, high energy, work really hard. Uh, very dangerous. They scored two goals on us. And, and again, I think that he has a pretty deep bench as well. So maybe what they lack a little bit is experience when we played them. But I think also when you look at when they played Charlotte the other day, you know, Charlotte is a perennial a national powerhouse that we're always competing for in regards to the Conference USA titles. So if you can tie Charlotte 0-0, then you're also very, very good defensively and you can handle set pieces and that. So I, I think that Coach Kerr and the staff have done a really good job growing and developing a young team. And we're just excited for the challenge on Friday. Uh, having had a couple of guys, again, Amay and Khalil leaving midway with this new fall spring format going pro, you know, for us, it's a great challenge to find a couple other guys to step up for us. So again, really good team, uh, young, energetic. They work really hard. They find ways to get the ball in the box, and, and we're just going to have to make sure that we match their intensity. When we started, people might think I'm joking, but I'm not. And obviously, Kentucky basketball, rare that they're not winning games, but they've got to be living under a rock to not realize what you've done at Kentucky. Sell it for me a little bit, because <laughs> you guys have won a lot of games. You've had players go pro. I've witnessed J.J. Williams score an unbelievable goal against North Carolina FC at the USL level. I know he's tasted both levels, including MLS. But, I mean, just talk about some of the teams and some of the players that have gone on to play pro over the years, because there's some big-time names in there. Yeah, no, for sure. And again, you know, it, it took a while once we first got there, but, you know, we've had lots of All-American 
Callum Irving is a Canadian goalkeeper that's still playing in, in, in Canada now. Napo Motsoso is another uh, All-American that's playing for Louisville City, who is always in the contention to win the USL. Of course, we have JJ, uh, who's going to play for Birmingham again this year. And then Amay and, and Khalil. You know, Khalil's already signed. He got his rights traded, so he signed for FC Dallas. He's really excited about that. Amay is really ch- uh, excited to go down and play with Inter Miami. Of course, it's a pretty posh place with pretty posh ownership. So I'm looking forward to seeing him as well once these COVID restrictions are being lifted. But one of the things, Dean, that I think is really important that I talk to my staff and, and Coach Wildman, uh, who's my associate head coach, has been with me since 2014. He does a fantastic job with recruiting. But one of the things that we are not is we're not the kind of people that are going to go around and brag about things. You know, what we've done in the past does not matter anymore. It does not matter to me. It's about the future and doing it again. And the hardest thing is to repeat. So we made a quarterfinal in 18, not good enough. Let's do better. That's all I'm concerned about. And I think there's a lot of people out there that like to talk about projected things and preseason things and individual awards, but in the end, it comes down to wins. And you want to be like, again, our friendly neighbors just a couple of hours away. If you look at IU, when you go to IU, you look at those national championship banners. That's something that you want hanging on your scoreboard or next to your scoreboard. And that's what we're building towards. And that's what we challenge all the guys when we recruit. And again, you and I, we go back a couple of years and you know, I'm not probably the most entertaining guy to talk to. And, but when I sit down with the recruits, I just lay it down for them. Listen, if you come here, you're going to work harder than you've ever done in your whole life, right? But you're also going to grow more than you ever expected to do. And if you're ready to challenge and, and do something that's never been done before, this is a great place. And you also want to go somewhere where you feel like, you know, wow, the administration really has our back. Look at the way we travel. Look at the way we are supported with Nike. Look at the field crew. You know, they, the, the game field, when we played Xavier the other day, was unreal it was like a golf green and i don't even play golf as soon as the game is over they're out there and they're rolling the tarps back on so you just you know i think what we sell is hey listen if you want to go somewhere and do something that's never been done before we're the place if you want to go somewhere where you're going to get all the support you need to be the best version of yourself as a player as a person and as a student we're the place. And if you don't mind going somewhere where the guy is pretty feisty, he doesn't smile very much, but he will push you beyond that you ever thought was possible. Well, then Kentucky is your place. Actually, I find you very entertaining, very enlightening and a breath of fresh air. So I definitely would interview you anytime. A couple more questions for you. Part of that entertainment is I like your story. I like the fact that you're attached to Coach Cook, who I'm a big fan of at Penn State, but just in the Cliff Notes version, remind everybody that you were sitting in big business and we got you back. <laughs> yes, you did. And, and, and Coach Cook, I have so much to thank for. You know, it, I played for him. I came over as an international student athlete. We were the first team to ever make the NCAA tournament. Men's soccer team at Cincinnati. Um, you can look at his record and all the stuff that he's done. And I know that you have him on all the time, so he can brag about himself. But but again, you know, he and I, we stayed, remained close after he left Cincinnati and moved up to Dartmouth. And, and when there was some uh, turnover in assistant coaching pool, you know, he would always call and kind of check in and see, hey, give me a little nudge. And, and um, it's just one of those things where everything lined up. I was finishing up my MBA. My, I have two children, Gavin, who's 15, and Abby is nine. 
Gavin was was had just been born and 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 you know when you become a father you kind of reprioritize and you were trying to think about okay what do I want my children to see when they look at me and what kind of person am I and what's important to me and it is just it just wasn't you know it was something that I was fairly good at working in finance and being a financial advisor but it was not you know again I would wake up at 6:30 on a Saturday get a cup of coffee and to get ready to watch premiership at 7 and and it was just something that I was really really excited about and again knowing Jeff as well as I did and speaking to Jeff I knew that if I he was the only one I was going to go work for. I wasn't going to go be an assistant for anyone else. I'm not saying there are any other people that are not good people out there, but I knew and I, I could trust Jeff and that he had what was my best interest in mind. So again, really excited to move up to Hanover, New Hampshire and be there for five seasons. And, and we had, I think, you know, we made the NCAA tournament every year and we had two Ivy League champions. Uh, Chad at Notre Dame did much better once we left. But at the time, we were very, very successful. And, and, and again, it's just one of those where whenever I'm being asked uh, what my career advice is or how, you know, what, what advice I have to give is if you can find some way, and everyone can't, but if you can find some way to work in a field that you are passionate about, don't care about the money. Because I just think life is too short. So for me... You know, having worked in college coaching since 2007, I don't regret it for one second. It's it's a great, great career. And to be able to see these guys coming in as fresh-faced 18-year-olds and then leaving at 22, 23, you know, fully mature men. And, and the growth that you've seen off the field, the growth you've seen in the classroom, how you've seen them mature physically and, and, and their game, it's just, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I love what I do. I love that answer. Let's end with this. And maybe it's advice. Maybe it's just your opinion. But Johan, if somehow we can get through this pandemic and make people more aware of social injustice and create a better climate, but as it relates to soccer, we get through it. And on the same weekend, we crown a women's D1 champion and a men's D1 champion. Yes, I hope Kentucky is there. But regardless, if we do pull it off. What is your message to all the coaches, to the association, all the players, the NCAA, the conference leaders? What's your message to them if we can, in fact, pull this thing off? Two things that we talk about all the time here is if it was easy, everyone would do it. So when guys come up and complain, I'm just, that's my answer. And I don't even have to complete it. I just say, if it was easy. And then they all slump their shoulders and they say, everyone would do it because they already know the answer. And then we talk about getting better every day. And I think that if you combine those two, we have an unbelievable challenge ahead of us. And we had it before the pandemic to find a way to get this 21st century model off the ground and get it going. And now when you add the pandemic and you add all the struggles that's going on, yes, it's going to be really, really challenging. But that's what makes it great. You know, if it was easy, what fun is it? So I think, again, lots of smart people are working on this. I, I know... You know, again, if you get to sit down with your AD in a room and you can lay this out, you just have to make sure that you do your homework and you make sure that you explain why this is important to the sport and how it can help the university and the administration, then I think it can happen. But again, it's not going to come by itself and we're going to have to put a lot of work in. So let's get going. All right. I always enjoy it. In your native tongue, say the right name to say your beautiful name. How do you say it? Yuan Siedegren. 
Yep, like I said, Johan Sedergren, the top man for Kentucky. We'll see you Friday night against Duke. I look forward to seeing you down on the pitch, working your magic. Thanks so much for being on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I appreciate it, Coach. Thanks for having me on, Dana. I appreciate it. Okay, and we wrap up the show meeting two more members of our 30 Under 30 class, Megan Burke and Brandon Turner. Megan's up first after this message. College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org college. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap, my favorite part of the show where we get to meet another impressive member of our 30 Under 30 class. Today, it's Megan Burke. Megan, thanks for being on the program. Thanks for having me, Dean. All right. We understand that uh, we're talking to you. You're at Fairfield University. You started in 2019, so you, like all of us, have had to deal with this pandemic, but the cool part about talking to you before we came on the air is we understand that Fairfield is actually pretty close to where you grew up. So that's kind of nice, right? Just walk us through that. Yeah. So I, I lucked out a bit and got to come back to Connecticut to work. So all my family and friends still live around here. So it's just been great to be back in the area and especially in a familiar spot. Especially during COVID, does that mean that uh, you've been surrounded by family and friends during this unprecedented time yep yep we've been stuck together so <laughs> um lots of family time which i can't complain it's been great and same with my friends we've kind of kept to our bubble and our circle so it's been nice to be around them and and have them during a time like this all right the way i understand it megan is you started at connecticut you went to umass amherst i think you spent some time out in the state of new mexico but walk us through really your entire career, including, you know, make sure you recognize important clubs that made a difference in coaches during your time at Connecticut and maybe some coaches in your short journey so far in the college game after playing. Yeah. So I grew up, like I said, in Connecticut, um, a couple of towns over from Fairfield and I played club for Connecticut football club. I mean, I had a bunch of different coaches growing up through that. Um, some who are current college coaches right now. So at that time, I didn't know that coaching was something that I'd like to do in the future. Um, but, you know, now looking back, I guess it was kind of a stepping stone for me in some way. Um, I started working camps at that age. So I was working every summer at a new camp or doing some something that had to do with soccer. So refereeing um, and just being around the game so much. And so then I knew I wanted to play college soccer. Um, I think I knew that from the start ever since I joined club. And so then that took me to UMass, um, just not too far, probably like two hours from where I grew up, 
which was nice. Um, my parents actually said, get out of Connecticut. We kind of put a border around. So that pushed me away. Um, but it was close enough so that they could still come to games. So it, it worked out. My parents were my biggest supporters and were at every home game and traveled to some away games when they could. And so then while I was at UMass, I actually majored in kinesiology. So I thought that I was going the PT route and was planning on going to grad school for physical therapy. And senior year, I had a change of heart and a lot of people who were influential in my life at that time brought up coaching. And like I said, I never thought of it as a profession, but the more I was around it, the more I realized I didn't want to stop being around it. So I started applying to grad assistant positions and I was lucky enough to land one at New Mexico State. So then I was out there for two years and got my master's and worked with the women's soccer team and worked with some great people who even more or so convinced me that this is something that I really want to do and be involved with. And then actually I was lucky enough to get contacted by who was the previous assistant at Fairfield, um, but she was my assistant coach at UMass. And she called me and said, we have, a, we have an opening. Would you want to come back to Connecticut? So, you know, this, the stars kind of aligned in some sense. So I, I lucked out big time. Tell me about that call to mom and dad when uh, you learned that you might have a chance to come back to Connecticut. They had to have been over the moon. <laughs> they were very excited. They thought it was a no-brainer. It was a really tough decision for me because I loved the people I worked with out in New Mexico State. And I had the opportunity to stay there. And so I was torn between staying there and, and coming back home. But you can't, you can't fight family and friends. So in a way, for everyone else, I think they knew that I would end up back in the Northeast. But um, it was a really tough decision for me. But I think it was the right one at that time. And it's worked out so far. So it's been great being back here. So let's switch to maybe an easier decision. What was it that made you want to apply for the 30 under 30 program? So I've just heard great things about the program and I knew that one, it would be a great networking tool, especially in a field like this, meeting people and learning about their development as well and where they came from and what steps they took to get where they wanted to be. I thought it would be a great opportunity for me so it was kind of, an, again, like you said, an easy decision. I just thought, why not? Why not put myself out there and, and just use it as a professional development tool and grow from it? And same sort of deal when you learned that you were, in fact, part of this class. So who was the first call? How excited were you? Um, I was pretty excited. I, I think I opened the email and, and got notified when I was actually at home in my kitchen. And, and I just kind of calmly said, oh, I got into the 30 under 30 program. <laughs> and my, my mom is more of the energetic, excited type. And she was like, oh, that's awesome. Like really happy for you. And I'm pretty sure my dad was like, what is it again? Could you explain it? <laughs> and so I had to rewind and kind of talk him through it. And I think I got cool. <laughs> so in his world, that means... That means I'm proud of you. <laughs> but, yeah, you'll take uh, it, right? Yeah, and then I called some, just some um, 
people who obviously I called the head coach at Fairfield and let him know. And he was really excited about it. And then I um, called some other coaches that I've just been talking to about it and wrote some references for me. Well, obviously, despite your young age, you clearly understand the influences of continuing to learn and educate yourself. And that's what United Soccer Coach is all about, right? Exactly. That's exactly what it's about. And what's been the best part about being just a member of United Soccer Coaches? I think hearing from everyone else. Um, we actually have a group message with all the members and sometimes people will bring up interesting topics, especially during a time like this, everyone's struggling in some way, shape or form. So it's been cool to hear from other coaches and just what they're going through and how they're handling it. And I think we've been able to help each other through it all. Your name is Megan. It's perfect that it's time now for another M&M question for me. I always like about asking about memories and, and mentors. What's your greatest memory so far in soccer as a player or as a coach and who in fact is your greatest mentor so far, Megan? I don't know if I could pick one. I think there's moments. So one that just defined like why I, I love this profession so much and also why I love the game. Like when I committed to UMass, like I'll never forget just that moment um, and how it made me feel. And so when girls commit now, to our program at Fairfield and even prior to that. Like I still get that excitement for them. So I think that is a moment that like will always stick with me. And I, I still think about it every time a girl commits and I see how excited they get and, and the feeling. Um, a couple memorable goals at UMass. I scored an overtime goal against Northeastern at home. I believe it was my freshman year. And that was, I think, the first time I, I recognized you deserve this, like you deserve to be here. So that was probably one. And then flash forward to senior year, I scored another on senior day. And I was like, all right, <laughs> all right, that was enough. I think, I think my body's tired, but that was a good way to, to go out at home. Yeah. And um, a couple wins, I think first win as just being in the coaching world. Um, so at New Mexico, we, we um, beat a rival, which I was like, now I see the other side of it. Like it's one thing to win as a player and you know, like you put in all the work, but then it's another as a coach, like you, it's more of a proud feeling that one, you're doing the right things to prepare and two, everyone's buying into what you're teaching and, and all the effort you're putting into every day to change the program. Greatest mentor. That's really hard. And you're allowed to say more than one on this one, I guess. Yeah. I think, I think I've picked up something from really everyone I've worked with and, and different things as well. Um, I was extremely lucky to get to work with Rob Bartz, who's the current New Mexico state head coach. Um, and taught me so much about the game, so much about people. And, and I'd say he was a huge influence on why I want to coach and the coach I want to be. So I'd say he is someone who definitely, I still see as a mentor, still call him. Um, we talk pretty regularly just to check in, but then also flip side, 
the my current boss at Fairfield, Dave Barrett, has been great on teaching me all the little things that you know you don't even think about as a young coach. Like you're all excited and energetic and just want to get out there and play, but you forget that there's a whole other side, especially in the college world, that there's a managerial side that you have to think about um, consistently and sometimes more often than actually being on the field. So pull the different things or pull a few different things from different people, but um, those are two right now that just stand out to me. All right, outstanding. Since we're on a roll with tough questions, we're going to end with a tough one, and that is my crystal ball question. Do you have any idea where you're going to be in 10 years, or do you just kind of <laughs> play it day by day, Megan Burke? Uh, I like to play it day by day. A goal would eventually be to take over a program and be a head coach at the collegiate level. So I hope I'd love to get there someday. Can't tell you where, can't tell you when that's going to happen. Um, but I think when the timing's right, I'll know. And it sounds like when it does happen, your mom will be jumping all over the place and your yeah. dad will be like, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all right. Just let me know where you're moving. All right. I really enjoyed your energy and passion and I uh, really like your journey as well, Megan. And I can tell by the way you're living your life that good things are continuing to happen to you. Thanks so much for being a part of the 30 Under 30. And thanks so much for joining us on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. Nice to meet you, Megan Burke. Of course. Nice to meet you too, Dean. Thanks for having me. And we are doubling down on 30 Under 30s on this week's show. Brandon Turner to wrap up the show after these messages. High school coaches are presented unique challenges both on and off the field of play. The United Soccer Coaches High School Diploma, now delivered in an all-online format, supplies coaches with the knowledge needed to perform the distinctive role high school coaches play in the development of young players. This updated diploma takes a look at the ongoing duties of the high school coach and how to better prepare them for the responsibilities given to them in that position. For more information or to register, go to unitedsoccercoaches.org education. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. My favorite time of the show, we get to meet another outstanding member of our 30 under 30 class. No different today as we're joined by Brandon Turner, who is joining us from Manhattan, New York, the director of club development for Chelsea Piers Soccer Club. He played college D1 level as a center back at Lafayette College in the Patriot League. My main man, Brandon Turner. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Very honored to be here. Well, we're honored to have you in the 30 under 30 class. Talk to us about what your inspiration was to apply. And then when you're done, Brandon, tell us how excited you were to learn that you were part of the club. Yeah, so my inspiration to apply was just, to be honest, when I think about it, I'm thinking about when I was growing up and I always kind of aspired to, or read like the Forbes 30 under 30 magazines, right? And I went on to get my master's in business administration. So I was like, all right, finance, I'm going to be into finance one day, Forbes 30 under 30. 
Um, and then when I was really doing it, I was like, this is not really the place I want to be. I don't see myself happy here or doing something in, in this kind of realm field. So I was like, soccer has been my passion. So I was like, let me see where it can take me past the playing part of it. Where can I, I always had coaching in my, in the back of my mind. And after that master's program, I was like, all right, I think coaching is going to be the way to go. So I went right into coaching and then uh, I just always was uh, looking at United soccer coaches and going to the conventions and seeing it 30 under 30, 30 under 30. And I realized, I said, oh, I'm about to be 29. This might be the last year I can apply to it. <laughs> so I just went for it. And then um, when I heard that I got it, uh, I was for sure excited. Um, I was honored and it was just like a, a very nice um, accomplishment and, and recognition that kind of keeps pushing me to continue to grow in coaching and continue to be like, all right, this was the decision that you made a couple years ago to go this route and just keep put going all in and seeing where it can take you. And it, it, it just continues to push me forward. I'm so glad it did. Let's um, go backwards a little bit and talk about your favorite memory. I had the honor of calling a lot of Patriot League games. Bucknell used to always be part of the then named NSCA game of the week. We had Lehigh quite a bit. We had Boston. I feel like we had a Lafayette game in there somewhere, but I can't totally remember. But the point is that's good soccer. Give me your greatest memory as a soccer player during your time at Lafayette. Greatest memory happens to be my junior year and where our Patriot League final game. So that whole weekend, it was great. We went down there and we played Colgate first. I uh, believe the score, we ended Colgate 2-0. So we kind of hand, handled them pretty mm -hmm. well. And then we went on. So this is a Friday, Sunday. So we had one day to recover, one day to get back into it, get our legs back. And then we play American. And American has been in the finals like year after year. They, they just haven't had a lot of luck in the finals. So we were like, all right. Let's go in. And just that game, it was just always a battle with American. They were a very talented technical team. Uh, we played very defensive and, and kind of countered. And, uh, but we were also a physical team. So we kind of went back and forth. Uh, we ended up scoring first in the first half off of a corner kick header. And then... Um, Second half, they they get a uh, penalty kick, and we we definitely didn't agree, but they took it, and our goalkeeper makes a save, Nate McDonald, and that was and it just brought us up and momentum turned our way again. Where second half we ended up winning two zero. Um, my the forward P, he was my um, roommate for four years at Lafayette. He scored that second goal. We celebrated mm -hmm. and. Uh, just a great team moment. Yeah, I love that you picked a great team moment. That says a lot about you. Look, you're young, but uh, you've done a lot of coaching already. Do you have a greatest memory as a coach? And if not, maybe just what makes you tick as a coach? Why do you love it so much? Yeah, so I don't know if I have one specific memory right now that, that 
is the greatest um, because I think I feel like the journey is still early. Um, I'm still early in this coaching journey. And the one thing that I have to say that makes me tick with it is every day I go to work and I'm, I'm sitting here like I'm playing and coaching and uh, the game that I, I love so much for a living. So I'm walking around Chelsea Piers. It's an indoor facility in, in Manhattan. And we have two small-sided soccer fields, 5v5. So we go. I'm going there right now. We have the opportunity to continue training during the pandemic because we have that facility. And I'm walking around the facility, and I'm like, wow, this is my job. Like, I get to coach and, and influence and impact kids every single day. And the, the people that I work with, the other coaches and the staff, really make it as well where – the environment is such a great environment that um, I really I'm, I'm appreciative and grateful every day to to coach for for a living. Wow, Brandon, I, I'm so glad that uh, you said it that way because uh, I love the fact that you're enjoying what you're doing, that you're a member. I also would like to tell you that one of the things I like about United Soccer Coaches is their arms are wide open. I mean, let's call it straight. Uh, this year has been horrific with the pandemic. It's been horrific with social injustice. I'm really proud to associate with Nicole Hercules, who's the chair of the Black Coaches Advocacy Group. As a young Black man, are we making progress, my man? Are you feeling better about things? Or we still got a lot of work to do, right? I think we have a lot of work to do for sure. I'm glad, I'm glad that it's comfortable to bring up this topic because this is something I wasn't really expecting, but it's a great topic to bring up where... I think with the MLS having this Black Players for Change group, I think, um, and everyone is brought to the forefront this year that we can't ignore it. So I think people are actively making changes where they can, you know, and in small ways and just making it a point to uh, acknowledge and kind of observe their, their staff uh, the players that are on their team, like, are we a diverse club? Um, are we trying to get black players more into soccer or any kind of uh, minority into soccer? Um, are we helping doing that? Um, how is the system with even like the U.S. soccer development pathway? Are we catering to a certain type of person, a certain type of demographic? And I think these conversations are important to have so that we give an equal opportunity to women, to men, and and to all races and, and minorities. So I think it being in the forefront this year has been a positive thing where people are continuing to to try to see where they could be better. And, and um, we got us some work to do for sure. And um, but I think overall on a, a positive tick right now. Yeah, well, and I guess my point is, I hope that we see more people like Shaka Daly, who's the coach at Michigan, or Kadani McAlpine, who coaches USC women, or Kia, who's the head women's soccer coach at Brown, where we see more black coaches at high level jobs, whether it be in college or in MLS. And then along the way, all of those people that I just mentioned, they're my friends. And thankfully, I was raised to look at all people the same, but regrettably, 
I didn't know the struggles that people like Desmond Armstrong, who I was with forever, have. People like Kadani McAlpine, people like you. I mean, just being a black man in this country, you still have to be self-aware all the time, right? That's for sure. That's for sure. Where, in, in a way, I don't know where, but my like, confidence level on where I can really take this, especially like in the beginning where it's, you're making that decision. Like, is this a field that I want a potential goal for mine to uh, coach at the college level, to coach at the the um, highest level MLS or anywhere, right? And But have you seen a person like me in that position? When you're making this decision, you're like, well, there's no real, I'm played division one soccer. And have I seen a black soccer coach that, that that's been the head coach uh not really right and and when i'm i'm going to these games so you look over um it's not really there you don't see it really in the mls you don't you don't really see them in those those positions which has um has an impact on a, on a young person making a decision whether to go into a field or not or can you be successful are you going to be looked at differently or just all right, you could just stay the assistant. You could just stay with the with the youth, you know, even though it's the youth are the most important for sure uh, in that development cycle. Where Where's your growth? Like the athletic directors, that's always like been a thing, possibly uh, going down the road, but how many black athletic directors do you see at that head position? And, and that's huge in making a decision at an early age. So if there's more people there, right, that can impact and influence that, it's huge for for the youth, like I was saying, in that development. What a great sentiment to share. Don't let any of that slow you down because I can tell that uh, you're passionate about what you're doing. So just keep on charging as we're all gonna work together. And I feel like I can say that comfortably working with United Soccer Coaches to end that knowing that United Soccer Coaches has opened their arms to so many and done such a great job with this 30 under 30 program. From where you sit, what has United Soccer Coaches meant to you and your development, Coach Turner? It's, it's been huge. I've taken many of the co coaching courses because the education part of this is really something I, I love as well. Like it's, you can learn every day. There's so many courses from the director of coaching, from the 99 to the advanced national. Uh, those courses are, are huge just to be around an environment of learning and, and knowing like you don't, you're not going to know everything, right? You're not going to know everything. So education has been huge. And then the, the convention has been a huge part uh, of, of my education as well and being around that environment and seeing the passion that goes into this game and the, the small intricacies of, of even the finance part, then the, the recruiting of players part and then the development of players part at this, these conventions, you get such a wide range of education and knowledge, uh, which United soccer coaches have, have been, uh, been key in providing and a big impact. Yeah, Brandon, thanks for opening up and talking about a, a topic that is near and near to me, and that is um, creating a better path for, you know, black players and coaches. And thanks for also sharing your love for United Soccer Coaches. I share that love with you, my man.
Brandon Turner, congrats on all your success. Keep on going, right? And who knows, maybe it's not Forbes 30 under 30, but maybe Forbes 40 under 40. That's the goal, my man. What do you think? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you always got a dream, right, Brandon? Keep dreaming. There we go. <laughs> all right. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, Brandon Turner. Yes, thanks a lot. Appreciate you. Appreciate Brandon Turner and fellow 30 Under 30 member Megan Burke. Also want to thank the talented Glenn Crooks for kicking off the show and Johan Settergren, the top man for Kentucky men's soccer. They're 6-1. and one. They'll take on Duke Friday night at 7 o'clock on ACC Network Extra. I'll have the call. For Sean Chevro and Bailey Conklin and all the great people at United Soccer Coaches, our producer, Colin Thrash, I'm Dean Linke. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by TeamSnap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.